Welcome to Whatever Works, our unique fortnightly podcast in which we talk about whatever works in our lives and in the lives of our community members. Find us at whateverworks.works. And why not join our community? Simply search for Whatever Works at mewe.com and get stuck in. That's where we are, and we should just start. I'm rec- are you recording? Am I recording? We're all recording. Everyone's, we're all wait- reco- everyone's out hello, there waiting, hello. thinking, are they going to start? I do apologise, everyone. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> we, we do like our running starts, don't we? And here's another one. <laughs> hello, Aidan. Hello, Mr. Pink. Oh yeah, well we'll get to that later. Thank you. I'd have had a good wind, and you've called me. From now on, I'm known as Mr. Pink. Do you know I'm in the pink today? The weather is actually all right. The weather is yeah. neither too hot nor too cold. It's Goldilocks Day. I'm very happy. Super. Um, I totally agree with you. And um, it's really, really nice um, weather. The it's not too cold, not too hot. If, if it was like this all the time, I'd be absolutely delighted. However. However, we've got July and August to go yet, and have you seen what's happening in the, the southern states of America? Well, yes, this? and I, I don't think we can say, oh, we've still got July and August to go, but for all we know, July's going to be minus five. I mean, it's just all <laughs> on its head at the moment, isn't it? Everything's asked about tip. We just, we just get the weather we get, regardless of what season it's meant to be. Yeah, yeah, you're quite right, but I can't imagine it's... I watched the long-term trend on the Met Office last night, and they said that the second half of July will be warming up. But it, it also depends where you live in the UK, doesn't it? Because up here is going to be different to down where you are. Exactly. I mean, you and I have recorded shows where you've been sitting quite comfortably and I've been sweating like a, I don't know, choose your own adjective. A pig's arsehole. Um, <laughs> that'll be the one. <laughs> I, can I rely on Mr Salmon to bring down the tone? Come on, sir, let's do the introduction and get on with it. OK, show eight, 188, 188, and it's Friday the... No, it's not. What day is it? It's Wednesday, it's Wednesday the something. Dear. Hang on a minute. Can I have a oh, nice cup of tea July. later, Ted? Get your hair done, yes. Look, I didn't update the show notes. It says the 30th of June in there. <laughs> um, right, OK. So, um, tedsalmon.com is where you'll find me. All I do, links to everything. Aidenbell.com for Aiden. He was telling me before the show that he's got no work, so book him up to do something <laughs> for you, and he'll come and do it for you uh, while his mum gets a taxi somewhere. Um... <laughs> And you've got something about clocks, have you? I've got, uh, excuse me, I've got, I've got frogs in the throat again today. It's that season, oh, I'm afraid. <clears throat> the tadpoles disappear out of the front and all the frogs appear in my throat miraculously. I've got a lovely, geeky, fun thing coming up next week. It, it sort of ties in with your fetish about clocks. I'm going to visit the most famous clock in the world. Big Ben. I've, indeed. I've got myself a ticket to oh. go up Big Ben. Oh, right. Patron. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they come online every now and again and I heard about it and I tried and I failed and the next time they came around I was sat there, as we do when we want to buy tickets online, you know, with a cup of tea, waiting, watching the clock count down to the exact moment of ticket sales and I leapt online and I got tickets. Um, I'm going up the wow. clock with a friend on the 13th. You actually get yeah. to go into the clock, up the, I think it's 320-something-odd stairs in a spiral mm-hmm. staircase. Mm-hmm. And if you make it as far as the top, they give you ear defenders, and so that presumably means you'll be up there when the thing goes bong. Um, and I can come down and tick it off the bucket list. I'm looking forward to that very much. Very nice. I went up there once, um, did exactly the same as what you just described, but I was really, really young. We went there on a school trip. Um, and we also went into the Houses of Parliament and watched a debate going on. 
Um, that was probably louder than Big Ben, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talking of clocks, I, we've been getting... I'm, I'm getting sick of power cuts here. Every other blooming day there seems to be a power cut. I can't work out if it's kind of more global or if it's the park itself that are not managing it very well. I, I don't know. But the, the, the link here, and, and, and <laughs> thank you for your patience in getting here, <laughs> is that I've decided to turn the blooming cooker off because every five... every half a day i've got to go and set the bleeding clock oh, again the cooker is a sod and i don't know if your cooker's like mine you, you it's difficult to set and then alarms start going off yeah. cooking alarms all by themselves oh i hate that yes and if, I ignore, and, and, if I, and if i ignore it then it just goes um flashy 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 all the yeah, time same here yes um so the the point is i've just decided to turn it off i mean i hardly use the blooming thing anyway i it's a gas cooker with an oven i mean when do i ever cook anything in an oven so i turned it off hang it i said yeah, we have the microwave as well in the kitchen. So after a power cut, I've got double clocks flashing and oh. then you have to set them both and you have to get them right. Otherwise, the mother says, oh, the microwave's two minutes short of the cooker. Oh. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a very, very manual microwave, so I don't have that problem. I'll tell you what I do have a problem, though, with, which leads us nicely into our next bit of feedback, is that when there's a power cut on your coffee machine that you um, sent over it resets itself to one measure instead of two. And that keeps catching me out because you have to manually put it onto the to the, to the number now, two. Now, you know two. what? I didn't know that because I'm a puff and I like weak coffee and I don't want it to. <laughs> you so, can't say that. So I all... we'll, we'll be in trouble. <laughs> I, I I like weak coffee, uh, and so I never I never used the double espresso, so it was oh, right. never a problem right. for me. Yeah. It all, I, no, I, no. I, I sat at one. It's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Every time every time I get a power cut, I, and it always catches me out. I forget to press the button. Once the button's pressed, you can you can power off the machine in the normal way, or yes. or let it or let it time out. It doesn't forget. It's only when there's a power cut it forgets. <laughs> Strange. Anyway, as you say, slinky link into our feedback, which starts yeah. with the coffee, the coffee break section. When Chris Kelly so generously came on the show and told us everything he knows, well, he probably told us about fifty percent of what he knows about coffee, which was what a great time we had. It was fascinating, and thank you again, Chris, for doing that. We've had some lovely feedback. It went down well. Ian Barton said it was interesting how different people enjoy different coffee mixes and mixtures. I says Ian always make my coffee in an aeropress, but use pre-ground coffee. I just add about a teaspoon of skimmed milk. Ooh. People who use this frothy milk mixture should be sent to the re-education gulag <laughs> where, <laughs> where they have to drink co-op instant coffee laced Ooh. with condensed milk. Oh, well, dear. I have four words for you, Ian. Each to their own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... I like the frothy milk fix. Uh, Me too. I must admit. But what I will say is that um, in my testing here, I, I, I honestly can't tell the difference. If you make it all frothy and full of milk and sugar, for those that can um, do that stuff, well, I do sometimes have sugar in mine, um, and it's all a tall drink. I can't tell the difference. I, I've tried posh beans. You sent me some posh, some of your posh beans, and I just can't tell the difference. So, uh, frankly, there's a there's a, a a packet of beans at Tesco they sell for two pound eighty <laughs> instead of instead of four pound fifty for all the posh ones. And frankly, I think to myself, well, I might as well buy that one really if I'm if I'm only going to drink it in that way. Well, there are advantages to being a troglodyte. 
I'll keep the red bar one and your posh one for when I'm not having a, a tall, frothy drink. Oh, dear. Good idea, sir. Matt Jones says, I'm very similar, Ted. Coffee is generally coffee. Lager yeah. is lager. Wine yeah. is wine. There you are. I'm not on my own. Alan Kennedy, I really enjoyed the coffee section. Nothing fancy for me. Light to medium roast black coffee via a grinder and an AeroPress. But I will explore some of the recommendations. The Liebe Frank Needhart says, Great episode. I'm with Chris. We have an AeroPress and a Chemex, a different kind of paper filter which you fold so that one side is thin and the other side is thick, making the same beans taste different again. Ooh. The AeroPress, says Frank, is great as you can experiment a lot for not much money. For example, we have a metal filter for it that lets the coffee oils through instead of filtering it out like the paper filters do. Ooh. Gives a different flavour for the same bean. Wow. There's experimentation real, for you. Wow, yeah, nice yeah. one, Frank. This is a real wine-tasting territory. <laughs> yes. Marek um, Polowski comes up with a good idea. One of the things I found that has most contributed to enjoying coffee has been getting to know the folks at our local independent co coffee shop and roasters. They've been a wonderful source of advice and assistance on everything from grinders to different brewing methods. It's their passion. Ah. It's something I've also noticed when visiting various places around the country. Folks who are involved in the coffee business are usually very keen to share their passion, have a great chat and give demos once you get chatting over a cup. Well worth seeking out anywhere you have nearby. Yeah, I concur with that. I mean, as you know, I'm having a love affair with Harrison Hall Coffee, and again, it yeah. comes from chatting with them in there. And as long mm. as you don't get the Saturday lad who doesn't even know one coffee from another, <laughs> as long as you... <laughs> do, they make you a, do they make you a cup while you're there? Oh, yeah, I mean, that's how I discovered it. I mean, they, no, I mean, I don't regularly drink there anymore because I make my own at home, but um, uh, my, my relationship started by just going in. My friend Kirk used to come and we would record when we were doing my Santa Santa musical, and we would regularly have a coffee break and pop down the road to Harrison Hall and drink their coffee. Oh, I see. You, you mean you buy it. The, the way that Marek describes it, he's, oh. I think he, he's suggesting that, you know, you pop in and they, they, they make you a cup, not... not not that it's a cafe. I think we're talking on the same wavelength here. I'm saying the same thing. In Harrison Hall, we would chat with them and talk to them and ask them, where did the coffee come from and how do you make it? And it's one... And so, um, we are building up the relationship, as Marek says, with the co with the local coffee people, the local okay. coffee folk. Simon Bates says, I love the coffee section. Thank you, Simon. We are fortunate to go to Florida twice a year. Oh, you are... Oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> and I'm always <laughs> amazed at the choice of flavours you can buy there. Oh, goodness, yes. The best is butter pecan coffee. Mm. You probably wouldn't fancy Florida at the moment in a heat bowl or whatever it no, is. No, I wouldn't. Jim Fowle says, Great episode, Ted, Aidan and Chris. As others have said, I really enjoyed the coffee section. Yay, thank I, you, Jim. I never knew any of what was talked about, but I must, I'm, I'll stick to my Nespresso as I'm very lazy, says Jim. <laughs> You know, I'm with Jim in that respect, that I'm lazy once I've, as you know, as we talked about in the show, once I've found something that works for me, yeah, I stick yeah. And I have to say, as a little postscript to all of this, I have found that perfect niche, niche moment. I've been tweaking and playing with my coffee machine and making adjustments, and I've now got it to making the most beautiful lattes almost every single time. Um, and i tell you one thing that I did recently, and now Chris will tell us why, why this is so, because I ain't got a clue. I found I, I I made a change that really gave me a better quality coffee. I changed the milk jug. 
Um, mm. Now, you know, you, you have the, the metal jug that you put your milk... If you're doing the frothy milk thing, yeah. you have your metal yeah. jug, you put the milk in and you put the wand in and off you go. I had changed this because I wanted to measure the same amount of milk each time and the jug that you get with the machine doesn't have any indication of how much milk's in there. So I bought a cheap eBay... Uh, sorry, Amazon milk jug with little lines in it so I could fill the milk to the correct line each time. Well, mm -hmm. this just because it went into the dishwasher, I got out of the cupboard the actual thicker, heavier, clearly made of a different metal uh, jug that came with the coffee machine, and I used that instead, and blow me, it was better. And I did a couple more with it, and then I went back and forth, and I really have discovered that there's something about the difference in jug. I think the jug that comes with sage is thicker. I think it's made of um, aluminium, uh, whereas the one that comes from Amazon is some sort of cheap tin, I think. So there is a difference. So if you want okay. to take it seriously, as I know you do, Ted, um, try out different... I think when I sent you the machine, I also sent you the actual jug that comes from sage, so you're probably getting the benefit of the good jug yeah. already. Yeah. But, um, yeah, a warning for those out there. Don't just buy a cheap tin jug from Amazon because it won't do the same job. Well, there you go. Good stuff. Right. Anyway, it was a really, it was a really good diversion, and it was clearly very popular. So, thank you, everyone, for your, your feedback and comments. Indeed. Let's talk about something that isn't coffee. Paul Williams brings <laughs> us a high gear, twenty liter, twelve volt cooler. Paul says Steve Litchfield posted on his little cool box for chilling drinks to Room 101 in the last show. I mm. would argue that it's about size and insulation physics. It could live under the... I think he's now talking about... I think he's the talking about, about his. Or I'm wondering yeah. whether he's still talking about Steve. I think he's now referring to his, yeah, the high yeah. gear cooler, saying it could live under the desk and plug into an anchor jackery unit, which I know Steve and Ted both have, and work much more efficiently. Mm. Yeah, there was a thread on uh, our following Ted's... Uh, sorry, following Steve's appearance on the show, there was a thread about different coolers and which are efficient and yeah. not efficient. And, and Steve, of course, was very knowledgeable about the physics of how they work, and others were just saying, I like the look of this one and that one. So um, another option from Paul. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Indeed, yes. That, that one clearly is not a USB uh, um, port one. The one that Steve brought, he was trying to plug into a USB port. Yes. But if, if you've got a 12 bolt kind of machine that you plug into um, the mains, basically, um, then clearly it's going to be much more efficient. So, yes. yes Sorry, I was just going to say, as was said in the thread, it, it also depends yeah. on cost. If you spend a few quid more, and you, you then you're obviously going to get a better get a, get a better machine. Simon Bates has been playing with his tool. Oh, hello. The Ryobi <laughs> One Tools. I've got a fetish, he says. Um, I just happened to see an advert for a cordless lawnmower with a free strimmer plus batteries and charger and purchased it. And now I'm hooked. <laughs> Everything is working off the same rechargeable battery system. The batteries all have a button at the front so, so that when they're pressed, it tells you how much charge you've got left using four LEDs. All parts are very well made and work as intended. I've now purchased a power washer, hedge trimmer, and a 150-watt inverter, which has a main socket, a torch, and two USB slots, powering and charging small devices. If you're into power tool toys, please don't look at the Amazon link in the show notes because you might get a little moist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know all about fetishes on this show, Simon. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I know where he's coming from because I nearly fell into this trap myself some years ago. I bought a power tool. I think it was a screwdriver. And it had a proprietary 
battery pack that came with it. And if you wanted to use another tool, you'd have to get the same battery pack. And once they've caught you with their battery packs, yeah, all the tools yeah. fit the same battery packs. But obviously Simon has found success with this um, and he's mm. just buying all the tools that fit the battery. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Good, good shout, Ryobi. Which is a strange way around when you think about it. Normally you find a battery to fit your device, but in this case you're buying devices that fit the batteries that you've already got. Simon Nobbs, this is clearly a Simon thing, isn't it? Simon Nobbs <laughs> brings us the... says, I love my Ryobi One tools. He has the same. I now have, says Simon, goodness, listen to this, a leaf blower, a chainsaw, drills sanders, nail guns, staple guns, circular wow. saws, jigsaws, batteries, chargers, <laughs> and many more. And all stops to King's Cross. I mean, <laughs> that, is, that is a collection, Simon. That is brilliant. The trick, he says, is to look out for special offers. The ones that supply a battery and a charger in the kit are always worth checking out. B&Q has good mm. offers, he says, but you need to shop around. Very good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's tempting to have one of these systems. But it, as you say, once you're locked in, it's like being locked into anything, isn't it? That's right. You, um, you, you, you lose the freedom to rove around. And, but, but, if, but if all the parts are as good as these guys are saying in this Simon section... Then, um, Simon says, there's a new section. Yeah, it, I think Simon the says. difficulty is if you get yourself locked into a system that turns out to be crap and they've only got three devices and you've spent 200 quid on the battery. But um, yeah, clearly yeah. Simon and Simon have, have, as you say, found something that works or, very well. Or the battery um, dies and you can't buy another one. And you can't one. buy another and one. you've got all these tools. Yeah. Yes, yes. Anyway, there you go. Pip Thompson, Tomlinson is next. Um, straight from Barcelona. I, um, sorry, he's talking about here in, insect hotels, which oh, have started yes. popping up in parks around Barcelona. Um, they are a pretty nice idea, um, or breakfast for a cat. And he <laughs> supplies a picture. In the MeWe group, he's, we, he's posted this, and there's a picture of this kind of um, cage thingy which sits in the middle of the park, and it's got all these different kind of sections in it where different insects um, um, are able to... Anyway, the blurb, um, which clearly is in Spanish, he's, he's translated, says on the side of this thing, a place that provides certain vulnerable species, among them solitary bees, with a quiet and safe place in which to hibernate, grow, thrive and reproduce. I see. It's a, it's a knocking shot, then. <laughs> now, deep breath. There's a long sentence coming here. The mission of the small infrastructure is not only to protect and control an animal group in danger of extinction due to agriculture and deforestation, but also in general to promote the park's biodiversity, taking into account of the, that the thriving of bees, bees, butterflies, dragonflies, ants and other creatures in the, in the, of the kind is beneficial to plants and therefore good for the entire ecosystem. That was a two-breath sentence, that was. <laughs> Blimey. Yeah, well, while you take yeah. a rest i know these things i've seen them on oh, you see them on gardening programs as well people saying oh you oh, just right. have to get bunched together a whole load of twigs and that'll make a hotel for this that and the other it's a nice idea it's never worked for me i've tried it once or twice and i get absolutely nothing in there but well, um you, you you went into one you're not an insect <laughs> You foolish well, that, man. That, that's, deba that's debatable. Foolish man. No, no, I, 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 it's only because mine didn't work because I'm a twit. They're, they're great. Great great call, great idea, great spot, Pip, and I approve insect hotels. Because without Very the insects, we wouldn't be here. Yay. 
Daniel Bemis brings us Seven Wonders Duel. This is a game. Daniel says it's a fun, strategic empire-building game where you build the seven wonders of the world. This is a two-player-only game and is really simple and fun, as well as being tiny, small enough to fit in a backpack, and also has additions to expand, exchange, to expand and change it. It's a simplistic but strategic gameplay, and that makes it hard to get tired of, like a game of chess with cards and it's also affordable at about £20. And looking at it on Amazon, I can see that it is... Yeah, it's... I mean, I'm, I'm not a gamer. I I've, haven't played games since I was a child of any kind, but I always approve of actual physical games where you hold things in your hand and you arrange things on, on a table and you have pieces that come out of a box. I've always been a fan of that kind of game over staring at a computer screen and tweaking a Game Boy. So um, uh, yeah. I can't speak of this um, game, but I like the look of it. It does look nice, yeah. And Daniel um, can be relied on in whatever works to be the one that does point games out to us. He's a, he, he, him and his wife are a big board game players and um, it's quite good to have someone that is kind of focused in on that and gives ideas to the group. So well done, Daniel. Thank you. You'll never get bored of a board game. <laughs> it's you. You're next. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Robert McCrowan is next on Miros Smart Garage Door Opener. Ah, yes. Um, <clears throat> I have a Somfy Garage Roller Door, says Robert. I wanted to add it to my Google Smart Home so I could use um, voice to operate it via the smart speakers of Android Auto in mm, the car. Cunning. Somfy makes an uh, optional extra unit that can be fitted to do this for £250 <sighs> plus fitting. Ooh. Then I came across this, the Miros Smart Garage Door Opener. Um, instructions are supplied for most brands of doors, so it's not just for the Somfy doors. Yes. And, get this, it costs £36.60. Oh, that's better. And you can fit it yourself in five minutes. £250 or £36.60. Hmm, now let me see. <laughs> Works perfectly, he says, and when the Somfy installer called the other week to carry out a service, he was so impressed with it, he ordered one of his own. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, what a fabulous conclusion. That is lovely. Yeah, Oh, dear. Um, Thank you, Robert. Uh, sorry, I'm... What's that? That was the phone ringing. So what with oh, Robert's right. fantastic anecdote and my phone ringing, I'm completely speechless. <laughs> I did put in the show notes, so I'll read it off that. I want one of these. I, or rather, I would want one of these if I could set foot in my garage amongst the junk that's in there, never mind actually get the yeah. car in there. I'd love to have one of these. It would be a fabulous <laughs> geeky thing that I'd love playing with, um, yeah. except that it would be totally useless because my garage door opens up to reveal an absolute shame. Yeah. I wish I wanted one of those. Daniel Bemis, on the other hand, brings us something else which I don't want because I haven't got a cat. For Daniel brings us the collapsible cat carrier. We talked about cat carriers on the oh, show. Yeah. I remember we had a couple of backpacks. One of them uh, fooled me for a while because I didn't realise it was actually a backpack for a cat. But Daniel brings us, for the princely sum of $46, a collapsible cat carrier, which he says, if you have yeah. a cat that is unwilling to get into their carrier, this is great. It works so well, but it is really 
really bulky. So I would use it as a training carrier to get your cat used to going into one before you use a normal carrier. Also, it's good for a last resort for when you don't have a lot of time to chase your cat around. Well, I'm very curious now, and I'm looking at it on eBay, on Amazon. Oh, on eBay. It is indeed an eBay purchase. Um, I don't quite understand why a cat would be more inclined to get into this one than another one, but then I don't have a cat, so, you know... I'm looking no, at this basket and I'm thinking, well, this is a basket with a large opening. Maybe you put food into it, Daniel? I mean, anyway, it's... it's, it's, or, it's get, or, or, or get the cat to sit on the lid and then slam it shut. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the trick. <laughs> anyway, it's a nice cage and it's got lots of plenty of openings. So um, once the cat's in there, I'm sure it'll be comfortable. Very nice indeed. Thank you, Daniel. Good shout indeed. Right, so, so thank you all, whoever is going there to do this. tinyurl.com forward slash Amazon TED UK. If you go there before you head to Amazon, you can buy your stuff in the absolutely normal way. No difference to you at all, but they send me a few pennies. That's my URL, tinyurl.com forward slash Amazon TED UK. Somebody bought the LED night light plug i know we do led lights so often in this show but this one looks really really neat i thought it's um a night light motion sensor it's got four lighting modes you plug it into the wall the four modes are on off it's off a mode um off after 30 seconds or off after 60 seconds following a motion detection um manual slider to adjust the brightness now that's a killer feature like the knobs and dials and buttons that we love this has actually got a slider a physical slider i wonder how long it lasts before it breaks um but that's uh, that's really different i think a nice warm white lamp um glowing as well and of course no need for batteries because you plug this into the wall and it just always works um be interesting to know how it works it's seven pound 49 um and it looks just the part fancy one of those I do, and there's nothing more to add. You've said it very well, Ted. Um, it looks gorgeous, and I should be commended for not giggling like a schoolboy when you said it detects emotion. Ted's top tips, Ted's top tips, Ted's top tips. Keeping butter cool, but not melting, in the summer. Not, ah. not you keeping butter cool, but you, you keeping your butter cool. <laughs> you, you keep, you uh, keep butter cool. OK, it's a political party. Yeah. <laughs> very... Um, a few people were chipping in here to try and answer the question, how you do this in the summer when it's hot. Obviously, if you if you want to eat real butter, then it's if you take it out of the fridge, it's going to go to to mush in the end. Um, or you keep it in the fridge and you can't spread it very well. Anyway, Paul Williams suggests that you fill a small tub and place that in the bread bin, then top up as required. That way, if it does become liquid, it can go straight in the food bin for recycling. Mm-hmm. Kevin Fabiale Lemon says use a cool bag with an ice pack ice pick with an ice pack in it. <laughs> and David Hewlett yeah. said comes in from another angle and says, well, use Lurpak or any other spreadable straight from the fridge. <laughs> oh, that's cheating, think, David. Uh, yeah. I, my mum uses Lurpak and it's uh, it, we worked it out. It was fifty-one percent or forty-nine percent butter or something. Yeah. So that wouldn't feed the need for those that want butter. I Daniel, can believe um, it's not butter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Daniel Bemis is back. Use a storage device like the Aisberger ceramic butter dish. 
freeze the dish overnight, then put the butter on it in the morning, and it keeps cool for a day at least. Of course, that depends on the ambient temperature, but if it's really, really hot, presumably it won't. But um, yeah, freeze the dish overnight. That's the tip, I think. Well, Matt Jones came in with something that really got me buzzing here, because not only will it look after the butter in the summer, but in the winter as well. He suggests an electric temperature-controlled butter dish, which hey. I looked at on the web, and it looks gorgeous. It's 45 quid, which is not hideously expensive nor terribly cheap. It's sort of in the middle. And um, you plug it in and it keeps the butter at a constant temperature. I think it was 18.5 <laughs> degrees, but it actually has heating and cooling. So if it's too hot, it will cool it. If it's too cold, wow. it will warm it slightly and it will keep it at a perfect spreadable texture 24-7 all year long. Uh, and if you don't like the temperature that it sets it at, you've even got a slight... You can even tweak the temperature to change it how you want it. Um, I'm also delighted to say that my mother was quite taken with this, so we are actually wow. looking at this um, and considering possibly making a purchase. So I might even be able to come back on the show and review the electric butter dish. First world problems, eh? Electric butter dish. I love it. <laughs> still using and still using. It's, it's that time of year again. So out it rolls. And still working perfectly. Yes, it's my mobile portable air conditioning unit, which I brought oh, to whatever works yay, 63. Yay. <clears throat> whatever works 63 and other shows since. Um, I bought it in 2018. Possibly the best £320 I've ever spent. Now, we were just saying about how the weather is very pleasant at the moment. Well, about two weeks ago in June, it wasn't. And there were a couple of nights when you and I were talking about it because we, we had to shift the recording That's on the right, last yes. show. And it was really hot. So this thing, I got it out and rigged it up for my nighttime sleeping and it just worked perfectly. So I'm not sure how long these air conditioners work for, um, but they do seem to be quite good. I was talking to my sister about it yesterday and she has air conditioners in in her house and she reckons they've still got one um that they bought 15 years ago wow never done anything with it um never serviced it or nothing and it just still works the same as it did on day one so perhaps these things are pretty good it's got a cooling um, function, obviously, with the air conditioning. A, a, a fan for non-cooling, if you just want a fan. And a dehumidifier function, which I've never used. A bit like Aidan Bell wouldn't. <laughs> um, and three fans, sleep mode, if you want to turn it off during the night, like after a few hours or whatever, you can, you can set it to do that. Well, you could if you had the remote control, which I've lost. Um, and... It's not available on Amazon, I'm afraid. There is some... I'll put a link in the show notes to some place called J. Harry's, who seem to have some. Um, and there is a slightly smarter, inverted commas, version on Amazon, which I'll link to as well, um, which is a, a, a presumably an updated model, um, which has got an app and a you know a, the usual single control again. Oh, Mind yes. You, that, that would make sure you didn't lose the remote control, which you had that, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah, and I mean, this is if you're travelling and you're coming home on a hot day, you can turn it on before you get home. You know, Oh, is that the 10.32 to Bournemouth? Yeah. OK. <laughs> yeah. Straight outside my window, they blare their hooter. Gits, come off. Oh, dear. You know what I'm still using? I'm still using Echo Moist Cleaning Wipes. 
Um, I bought these. It, it feels longer ago. These were um, the show 150, November 2021. So where are we? Push, you know, about a year and a half now. Um, what Ooh. actually surprised... It's a, it's a pretty big tub. Um, it's basically, it's just screen wipes. It's just screen wipes or, or glasses wipes or mobile phone wipes, whatever you want to clean with them. Um, Eco-friendly, good for the environment. Uh, what surprised me about them is they're still as moist as the day I bought them. They live in the bathroom, which is fairly cool in any case, but I'm... I'm as much as saying I like the wipes, I'm probably saying I also like the container in which they sit. It's a big plastic thing with a clip lid, which you can just about hear me opening and closing here, which is obviously good and airtight because, as I say, they're still moist. They still do the job. Um, there were 150 in there. There's probably about 20 or so left, and I'm very happy with them. That's it. Very good. There's nothing well, more to indeed. say. <laughs> yeah, very nice. You don't need to do this, the Steve Litchfield trick and put water in them to get them moist again. Angry Mama, the microwave oven cleaner, £5.99 <laughs> is cheap as chips. Is that anything to do with Mama Shark? Is that by any chance, any relation? <laughs> oh, yeah. We had that shark thing on before. No, that was Grandma that was Shark. Gran oh, that it? was Grandma Shark, wasn't it? This is Angry Mama. <laughs> OK, well, anyway. <laughs> anyway, this is a, a little plastic thing which you, you pour some... Um, uh, vinegar in, then you pour some water in it, the, the marks are on the side you stick it in the microwave for uh, I think it was 7 minutes and then you turn the microwave on full and you leave it for 2 minutes after you the 7 minutes are up um, and then it kind of does this steaming thing um, while the it all kind of gets hot in there, it steams, you keep the door shut obviously, yeah. but when you open the door, all the stuff that's on the sides of the microwave just wipes away. It works brilliantly well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've, cleans all the crud easily. No more scraping off the inside walls of your microwave or the ceiling of it when something's exploded. Hey! It's, it's a really good, it's a really good um, solution. Um, the only thing that I would say against it is that it makes the place absolutely stink yes, of vinegar. Yes, I can believe that. Um, <clears throat> which, as we know on whatever works, the first thing that the stink of vinegar attracts is wasps. So don't do it in the height of summer, I would guess. Um, however, someone else suggested um, in the group that you could save money and do the same thing with a cup of water and slices of lemon. I haven't tried that, but that seems like a reasonable so solution too. So, um, yeah, but this little thing is quite cute. Made of plastic, five ninety nine, and... Um, it's, it looks like a, a kind of lady. Yeah, I realise with... now why it's called Angry Mama because it's actually <laughs> is in the. It's built like a little like a kin, Kinder Egg toy in the shape of an angry exactly, mama with her hands yeah. on her hips and an angry expression on her face and steam yeah, coming yeah, out yeah. of her head. The steam should be coming out of her ears, yeah. really, shouldn't it? <laughs> it's it's very funny. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. It seems to work pretty well. So yeah, you could save me some pennies. You could send it to me and I'll use it and send it back to you. Yeah. That, that, that would still be it? cheaper than five ninety nine postage both or, ways. Or, or you could try the water and lemon. Trick. I could try the water and lemon trick instead. Yes. Here, I tell you what I bring you. Um, we have a Humax box, as I know many many people do for our TV, and. Um, one of the buttons, if you, I don't know, those who know Humax, at the very top of the remote control, you will often have one, one button for the Humax box and another button to switch it over to TV. Well, the Humax, bu Humax box button is becoming very flaky and only working temperamentally and temporarily when it feels like it. Uh, and so I thought, oh, sod this, I need to replace this. Let me see what it's going to cost. 
I bought a replacement Humax remote control unit for £4.99 <laughs> on Amazon, oh, wow. and, and it works. Yes, it feels a little bit plasticier than the original one, and yes, it's a tiny bit lighter than the original one, but yes, it also works just as well as the original one. I tested all the buttons, they all work. There you are, Ted, I tested everything. It all works, yeah. and it just befuggles my brain that you can buy a remote control unit like this, multifunctional, for £4.49. I mean, 10 years ago, it would have been £49.99 and we would have happily paid that. Um, yeah, it's yeah. just amazing. Uh, yeah, so fancy that. A remote control unit for less than a fiver. It's funny, isn't it, how some things um, are skyrocketing in, in cost and yet other things like this one are, are just the complete opposite. Yes, yeah. Really odd. Um, so, yeah, yeah, good for you. Mind you, you could have had mine for free because I don't... My, my Humex box is, is in a cupboard. I never use it. <laughs> Goodness, OK. Well, I just don't watch television anymore. I right. watch um, on-demand TV with my Roku. Um, anyway, the last thing for Cheapest Chips is the Roundup Tough Weed Killer. Now, I've brought to the show before the other one. What's the other one called? Oh, yeah, Weedol. Um <laughs> And I, people have said that um, Roundup is better than Weedol, and I didn't really, I wasn't sure either way, to be honest, but I, I bought some Roundup this time because it was cheaper, £8.23, um, in a ready-to-use spray one-litre bottle. Um, and I, it may be my imagination, but I, I do think that it does a better job, that the Weedol didn't seem to last as long, and... Um, I mean, I don't know. It could all be psychology. Probably the best. The the, the stuff in the inside the bottle is probably the same, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But anyway, placebo um, effect. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it appeared to me to be better than Weedol, but we'll see what dear listeners um, have to say about that. Roundup or Weedol, or go out there on your hands and knees doing your weeding with a tool and save the planet. I've never used Weed Killer, so I cannot comment. Hmm. Better before. This is a throwaway one. This isn't, this isn't. I'm not looking for a long and in-depth discussion with pros and cons. It's just an observation that I've made lately. As as people know, one of the things I'm proud of in my personality is that I've inherited from my father an, a sense of make do and well, not make do and mend, but make, build, create. If something doesn't do what you want it to, find some pieces and stick them together in a certain way and make it do what you want. Um, and as I've, I've talked in the show a lot about. I put this together and I bought this and you would say to me, well, it only does that. And I'd say, aha, yes, but I did this and now it does that. And I'm finding that that's changing. I'm finding that as the weeks and months and years go by, it's harder and harder to bastardise things, to open the bonnet and have a little tweak and make things do what you want. I can't think of precise examples, so I'll just keep it general. It used to be, I feel, that you could buy a project product product that does a function and if it doesn't do the function quite the way you want you can tweak it as I say you can buy th things and play with it and work it out in a certain way and use a bit of lateral thinking out of the box thinking and make it do what you want now it's harder now things are pre-molded and plastic and uh, all fixed and unopenable and they do one thing and they may or may not do it well and that's all they do and if they don't do the one thing that you want you have to throw it away and start again and if you want something to do something slightly differently it's extremely difficult now because you can't get in and make changes to it um as i say no specific examples but do you know where i'm coming from ted and 
is it something that you've experienced? I think it's because, as we just said with the remote control, everything's getting so cheaper and easier to produce that things aren't produced with multifunction anymore. They're produced to do one thing, and if you want to do something else, you have to throw it away and buy a different one. We certainly have found this in the mobile phone world at PSC, um, so that phones are, are coming with less ports, less buttons, less everything, except for Sony, it seems. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the big exception to that we've been speaking about lately is the Fairphone, which is completely designed from the ground up to be able to do exactly what you said, tinker with it, open it up. Um, armed with a, a screwdriver, you can get in there and take the thing apart. But I think you're absolutely right. Most things, certainly three-pin plugs that come with devices now, are completely sealed. You, yes. You're lucky if you've got a, an opening thing on the side to get the fuse out because, you know, people just don't seem to do that stuff anymore. Yes. It's a, it's a reflection of probably of our throwaway society as well, isn't it? It's like... Um, Let's produce these hugely en masse, um, make them unrepairable. So someone has to, you know, the gift to capitalism, when it breaks, someone's got to buy another one from us. Yes, I think I think Steve Litchfield brought that very point to the show a few months back, saying that we live in a world where things are no longer repairable. You can't repair something, you have to throw it away. Um, yeah. yeah, so there we go. I think it was better before when we could just say, well, I can't buy what I want, but there's a few things in the garage, and if I just buy this one piece and put them together in XY fashion, it'll do what I want. And it's getting harder to do that. What you want is a Raspberry Pi. We'll get Ian Barton onto that one. Oh, goodness me. Talking uh, of which. Maths and IT. No, move on, move on, move on. <laughs> <laughs> Barton, yes, indeed. He <laughs> you did move on eventually. <laughs> heads up the show. And um, he wants to throw into room 101 um, car electronics. My wife's Audi has had a problem. She inserted the dongle thingy but couldn't get the steering wheel to unlock. Eventually, a strong passerby muscled it for a, tempor <laughs> for a temporary fix to get her home. Um, and there's more, he says. If you stall, you have to wait some time before restarting the car, which is really not very useful if that happens when you're pulling out onto a roundabout. <laughs> Clearly, yeah, absolutely. According to Audi, this may be caused by two faults in the electronics and it will cost £400 per fault simply to connect the electronic um, diagnostic tool and diagnose the faults. That means that, that these two things are going to cost him 800 quid if wow. he takes it to Audi. Well, other people in the group have suggested taking it to a local garage or auto electrician, as they mostly these days have the computers to plug into these things. They didn't for my moped, I tell you. I had to have that picked up and taken 50 miles because no one had the computer to yeah. plug into it. Mind you, it's not very mainstream, I suppose. But yeah, yeah, that's um, that's outrageous. I hope, Ian, that you do find a local bod to do it and it doesn't cost you 800 quid. The only comment I was able to make on that group is technology is wonderful when it works. Um, yeah. You know what? It, it's funny. The phone call that almost interrupted the show just recently, apologies for that, listeners, uh, was actually uh, my garage because my car is being MOT'd today. And it suddenly occurred to me as I thought, oh, my Lord, am I going to have to sell my mother to pay for the car? Do you think electric cars, here's a question for the world, are electric cars cheaper to maintain? If you take that hit and you say, sod it, I'm going to help the environment, I'm going to buy an electric vehicle, are they then easier and cheaper to service and maintain than old-fashioned motors? Good question. 
which we in the whatever works group in the MeWe um, community we've got quite a few people that have got electric cars or hybrid cars and all the rest of it mm-hmm. and they're very they're very keen to talk about it so having raised this I'm sure someone will jump in yes, the group and, and fire off that discussion because indeed I mean you know I want one of those I'd love to be an electric car driver you know if I won the lottery but as I say once you own the electric car could it be that you then don't have to pay so much for looking after it indeed well, I tell you what I'm putting into 101, tipping. Tipping. Uh. I hate <laughs> tipping with a vengeance. It may be because I'm inherently a little bit nervous and a little bit thin-skinned and I don't like to, any sort of confrontation with people. I think it's also to do with the fact that I'm stingy and I don't want to spend more money, but to do with the fact <laughs> that I just want to know what something costs and pay for it and that's the end of it. Um, you know, you know, you go into a restaurant and you see what some you see this meal costs ten pounds. Okay, I've got ten pounds in my pocket. I can afford that. I'll have this meal, please. And then the bill comes, and they want you to put ten percent on top. So suddenly your bill's eleven pounds and not ten pounds. And if you don't tip, then you feel like you're being the bastard. You know, why is this man being unkind and not tipping? Uh, you know. I, as a performer, I will go on stage and sing a song for the audience and I'll get paid by whoever's paying me to do the gig. I don't walk around the audience afterwards with my hat saying, now will you tip me more money? This is a perfect hook into last week's Projector Room podcast where the irate Mr Pink in the opening scene um, takes just your stance in Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs is one of Tarantino's films and it was his first one, I think, and it's a really good one. But this opening scene, um, you know, he has this argument played by Steve Buscemi um, and... He, he he's in amongst this group of hardened crooks and he he tries to make this very argument. I'll put a link in the show notes to a three-minute YouTube video um, which demonstrates the whole thing. And you can see the arguments both ways. And he looks like you, Mr Pink, yeah, and he makes <laughs> the argument, that argument very, very well. And, and, and I love that some, he comes, some, they come back and say, well, these people are ser- you know serving, you should pay for food service. And he says, well, you don't tip at McDonald's. You go to McDonald's yes, and they yeah, serve yeah. you food. You don't yeah. tip them. I think it's it's also different, a bit different in America because of the infrastructure of what um, historically waitressing jobs or waitering waiting jobs were. Yes, um, which probably isn't quite the same in the UK. But it's a really interesting um, scene to watch. I, so it, any, anyone that doesn't know it, have a look at it. I mean, the one really annoyed me the other day. I had a meal in a pub, and the bill came, and at the end it said, "A discretionary thirteen percent tip has been at the old oh, discretion." Or what they? What's the word for tip? The posh word for tip. Um, anyway, has been added to gratuity. your gratuity. Has been added to your bill. Which is basically yeah. saying, if you want to be a right bastard, you can take this 13% off, but we're charging you it. Yeah. Hate it, hate it, hate yeah. it. I, I, I remember one where there was two places to sign. You could sign, the back in the days when you signed mm. um, uh, for tickets, that there was one place to sign it if you were going to tip and one place where you, you didn't tip. <laughs> Yes. And now they give you the, 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 the gizmo where you put your card against it and there's, you know, buttons to pesh. Do you no tip, 10% tip, 15% tip. Oh, and the waiter's right. standing looking over your shoulder. Oh. So you're thinking, well, do I really want to look like a <laughs> Or am I... <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, well, right. I, think, I, I think that if people are on minimum wage, um, which is actually a lot different to what minimum wage used to be. I think when I when I finished working, they were hiking it to £9.20 an hour, I think. Yes. Um, and I know that you can always argue economies of scale and blah, 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 and, and the changing world. But 
I think that, you know, the, the, the government have forced employers now to address the minimum wage thing and so that everyone can have a living wage. I'll probably invite a whole barrage of um, response to that now, saying, oh, no, it's not, it's not, you can't live with that. <laughs> well, I suppose if you want uh, to live in the southeast of England, you might not be able to. But anyway, let's not go into a political debate. Let's calm things down with our favourite jingle. Did you notice I went into my radio voice there as I said that? <laughs> very nice indeed, and a very nice jingle too. One gold star is going to go to each of the following gentlemen, Dean Cooksey and John Bullshaw, for their donations um, to the cause in July. So thank you, the first couple of days of July. So thank you very much for helping us, keeping things going there. Um, and, uh, yeah, your, your, your contributions are are very welcome. If you want to contribute to the ongoing costs of keeping the Whatever Works doing going, you can do that. We've got some uh, hosting fees that are going to come up at the end of the year. So um, at the moment, we've got about uh, 80 quid in the pot. So we, we should be OK. But if you want to contribute, then do send me a, um Amazon gift voucher and we'll turn that into cash. You can send that across um, and you just need my email address, which I'm sure everyone knows that's listening to this. Here, here. And thank you indeed to Dean and John for very generous contributions. I think we're done. OK. I Another think we are show too. in the can. 52 minutes later, or thereabouts, <laughs> plus jingles. Um, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks or, yeah, probably hopefully two weeks' time. Let us know what whatever works in your lives, folks, by going to the MeWe group. Let us know. Tell us what you've been buying and what works and what's crap and doesn't work. Um, WhateverWorks.works is our website, so head across there if you want to find out what uh, is going on with the show. AidenBell.com um, is where Aiden hangs, and you can get hold of him there. TedSalmon.com is where you get everything else, including links to all the audio podcasts that we're involved in. In and all the MeWe groups and uh, links and hooks come from tedsalmon.com so that's about it really uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks time any last words from you? Yes, beware it's Amazon Prime Day next week on the 11th and 12th that could be both oh, good news it? and bad depending on how you look at it and how your oh, wallet dear. can cope uh, so let us know next show folks if you, if you took part what you bought or what you would have bought if you could have afforded it as we will too when we bring you the next show. Uh, so look out for that one. I guess that's it then. Uh, one last thing to say, as always, uh, don't forget, whatever, whatever works, works! works.